welcome to the Mental Health Bootcamp Podcast. This is the podcast where three psychotherapists from Canada and one psychotherapist from the United States serve you cutting-edge mental health knowledge. I'm Dr. Ryan House, a clinical psychologist from Pasadena, California. And I'm Dr. Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from the greater Vancouver area. And I'm Joanna Boyd, a psychotherapist living in Fort Moody. And I'm uh, Chris Boyd, psychotherapist from Coquitlam. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome to the listeners, the worldwide listeners, except, well, hopefully, maybe this week we'll be welcoming a new listener from North Dakota. Let's go, North Dakota. Haven't quite got that listen yet if you notice a lot of ads coming up yeah <laughs> north dakotans then uh it's us <laughs> yeah i'm totally going to uh, spend some money and target north dakota for a little ad we'll get them we i mean it's a wonderful state okay. it borders canada i mean you'd think come on come on north dakota we, we believe in you <laughs> <laughs> That was that if you didn't catch us last week, we were saying that the uh, that we have 49 of the 50 states and North Dakota is our last holdout. So we're excited about completing the, the United States map. Uh, Canada's a little more challenging. There's three provinces that uh, we haven't uh, heard from yet, or they haven't heard from us yet. But there's not they're not very highly populated, so it's gonna be a little challenge, I think. It is, yeah. Yeah, I think way less people in our territories than your states down there. Yeah. Uh, yes. Is that what it's Yeah. Yeah. Well, still glad to be here. Glad to see you guys. Hope your December is going well. Indeed. It seems to be, uh, it was hard to believe it even became December. And now I feel like December is almost done. One of those, even though, what day is it today? Like the 8th or something. Eighth. So wild. I Usually I do feel that way. Usually I feel like December flies by. Not this year. And that's not a bad thing because I, I really like to enjoy all the Christmassy things. So I'm still like, there's still a couple weeks. We're good. Wow. Yeah, for me, it's been, yeah, for, for us, I guess, it's been super busy. So yeah. the same kind of thing in my mind. It's almost uh, <laughs> finished, waiting for the finish line there. Have a few days off work and just uh, rejuvenate a bit. Sure, but uh, all good things though. Not uh, not complaining. Lots of uh, fun things happening. So, well, maybe I was thinking we should make a couple of plugs here. No, um, if you're needing last minute, maybe it's last not quite last minute yet. But if you're needing some Christmas ideas, Chris has a great book, children's book to sell. Indeed, I do. Are you going to grab it? It is the Ugly Christmas Sweater children's book. The Ugly Christmas Sweater Rebellion is called. And uh, I wrote it a couple of years ago. You can find it on Amazon for soft cover. Or we have a website where you can buy the hardcover. Um, nice little story about the yeah. start of the very first Ugly Christmas Sweater party and the phenomenon behind it. So it kind of parallels how... Uh, the true story of how it all kind of got going, how these ugly Christmas sweaters became popular. So, and yeah. also enhances um, the spirit of giving 
Yes. And kindness and connection. That's right. right? Those are the big three. And uh, and that's great because I feel like a lot of children Christmas books, rightfully so, are talking about Santa and reindeer or presents or receiving mm-hmm. presents. Um, but this book is not about that. Not it's this about book. connecting yeah. to other people and being kind and giving back. And um, so it's more about the spirit of Christmas than what you're receiving. And uh, I think it's a really important book. Yeah, it's a great book. A little biased, of course, but um, I think it's actually pretty solid. For those who aren't in the know, Chris, could, could you just say a little bit about, about your connection with Ugly Christmas Sweaters? Yeah, so a friend Jordan and I started the very first Ugly Christmas Sweater Party back in 2002. So it's actually our 20th anniversary Ooh. of the original Ugly Christmas Sweater Party. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, news interviews yeah, this a lot of past news. two weeks. Yeah. Um, so, of course, 20 plus years ago, Christmas sweaters were around. Uh, very niche clothing item worn by mainly grandmothers and elementary school teachers and maybe the odd librarian. Uh, we decided to host a party and make the uh, sweaters a main component of it. People seem to really get a kick out of it. So we coined the term ugly. We even trademarked ugly Christmas sweater. And uh, this party that started in the house just kind of blew up on us. So within a few years, we were attracting crowds of a thousand people down at a venue in downtown Vancouver called the Calmer Ballroom. So we're down there for about 12 or 13 years. Um, so it's been the party itself has been on a hiatus for a few years, mainly due to COVID. But we have a, a dash and wrote this book as well. So everyone kind of traces this ugly Christmas sweater phenomenon back to us here in Vancouver. It's awesome. You have yeah. a dash, a 5K run, which is all for charity, right? Yeah, there's always been a charitable component to the events. In retrospect, we should have tried to monetize this somehow, but no, we didn't. We just thought we'd focus on the giving component. But um, yeah, so this time of year, especially this year, you know, lots of some, some media stuff. And one of our so CBC is our kind of our national broadcasting company in Canada. So they have the CBC National, which is the the news hour. I think it's every night at 10 p.m. I haven't actually watched it in a while, but mm-hmm. so they came and to her place and did an interview. Wow. And, uh, Huffington Post. Huffington Post, a few others. And, but last year, Fox Nation, Fox News reached out. Yeah, they did a uh, expose on the history of the ugly Christmas sweater and give a nod to Jordan and I for for uh, creating the phenomenon there. So nice to be real news, you know, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, random, but that is and it's did, didn't you guys branch out to the States with with some of the parties and and 5Ks and stuff or is that we at one point were in partnership with a, a promotion <laughs> company down there. Okay. So they did a couple, a few down in the States. We did a couple up here. But uh, since then, we've been kind of doing our own thing. And then uh, there was a partnership too with Ugly Christmas Sweater Day. So we had ours the third Friday. And then there was another one floating around, but they combined with ours too. So a few things like that, but very, very informal. Yes. So a few weeks ago, I was in, uh, in a, in a uh, department store and I turned a corner and there's just racks and racks of ugly Christmas sweaters. Must have been 200 different varieties of ugly, ugly Christmas sweaters there. Certainly not put together by some loving old grandmother, kind of probably manufactured in some sweatshop somewhere. But 
So I had to take a picture of that just bulging rack of ugly Christmas sweaters, <laughs> send it to Chris saying, I blame you for this. <laughs> <laughs> Rightfully so. Yeah. Yes. So if you have an ugly Christmas sweater, if you're my kid's school had an ugly Christmas sweater day last week. Um, so all of these things go back to our very own Chris Boyd. It's true. Yeah, yeah no, uh, 20 years ago, Christmas sweaters got ugly and they gained a lot of popularity. So true. Yeah. a lot of parties started to happen. And so kind of cool to be part of that. So that's really cool. Random, very random. Very random. Yes. Oh my gosh. See these. Oh, there oh, it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm showing a picture of the, the ugly Christmas sweaters. Oh my gosh. There's so many of them. Anyway. Um, I've got a book too. It's called the Mental Health Work uh Mental Health <laughs> Journal for Men. It doesn't really have much of a backstory to it. I didn't start the the journaling phenomenon, but it's a book that's out there on Amazon. So Good plug. A very popular book out there. Yeah. Highly rated. It's uh it's been nice. It's been nice to yeah. see. You know what's been nice about this? I've I've heard from from several um like men's groups who are like, yeah, we're gonna get this group for our, our men's uh workshop. Uh just a couple of weeks ago, I heard from a group I sent this to you, Chris, uh, yeah. a group in Canada, um, in a a smaller town um, where they're, I think it's it's kind of an impoverished place, and there's there's a lot of uh, drug use and stuff like up there. But these, these men there are trying to help uh, their fellow men up there with their mental health issues. And and uh, he wrote to me and said, "Yeah, we're getting some of these books, and maybe you could uh, talk to us in a workshop someday," which was really cool. That's awesome. That's and cool. and one of the coolest ones was. Uh, about a year ago, someone wrote to me and said, hey, we're using this in our prison in, in the United States. We're using this in our, in our prison system to uh, in one particular prison. And some of the men who are interested in mental health issues are kind of going through the workbook. And it's been really helpful. So I'm like, that's, that's really, awesome. oh, that's a really cool one. I mean, yeah, unexpected, I mean, you know, it's not what I thought. Super cool. Yeah. And I do that's think fun. we should um, maybe head up to Saskatchewan, North Saskatchewan. And Maybe yeah. participate in a workshop up there. It'd be kind of fun. I would love that. It'd be a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fun. So let us start our our conversation tonight because we get to do a book club, don't we? True. Shall we hear the theme song? Joe, are you ready to sing? I'm ready, Ryan. Vocal chords ready? Okay, take it away, Joe. strikes me about that is just the the quality of the sound bite you know yeah and the enthusiasm there your your voice was in good form tonight joe like a christmas practicing. angel yeah a christmas angel perfect well 
our book tonight, Braiding Sweetgrass, right? Indeed. So it, uh, everyone read the book in entirety, which we haven't done in a while. So this is good. Some of us, uh, did anyone read it versus listening who listened, who read? I think I they was all a, Sorry, Joe? Oh, I, I think we all listened to it, unless Ryan read a book. But. No, I listened. I listened, yeah. Yeah, we all listened. And it was the author, right? It was the author who... Yeah, I think so. I believe so. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the uh, in a nutshell, this book, uh, the synopsis I can give is the book is more like a series of essays. So each chapter can be a standalone chapter, Um, and each of them kind of goes through. The author tells a kind of in a storytelling manner. Uh, but there's a uh, wisdom or a lesson through that. But the storytelling isn't like once upon a time, there was a, a bear, like a fictional, it's more narrating a moment in her life or something she witnessed or experienced and what lessons came from that. Yeah. And uh, mostly about reciprocity between humans and earth. That's when we hear more from your example. You said once upon a time there was a bear. I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> what did this bear do? And it's a big, it's the the coming together of indigenous wisdom and scientific knowledge. She talks about how she's being indigenous herself, and then she's also a scientist. So she's able to she's coming upon like, yeah, from both those places when it comes to going through all these different chapters. Yes. Yes. Yep, that's a great synopsis, Brooke. I think that uh, lays it out. It's a long book. It is. There's there's a lot of parts, of, and it's it's not a it's not a textbook. It's not a. Uh, I mean, at least a lot of it is not a textbook. It's it's wit- it's written poetically um, in many places. It's the prose is very well done. Um, although I, it's interesting for me as I was listening to it, I was noticing. I think maybe for me, when when I'm reading something like that, I think I might need to actually hold it in my hand and read it. Um, listening to the, the the kind of flowery prose was a little more challenging for me to, to stay focused. Uh, I think I, I think my brain doesn't uh, adapt well when it comes to someone with with wonderful adjectives and and you know beautiful phrasings. Um, like my, my brain is like, what's get to the point. <laughs> so just for me, I don't know. Did you guys have any challenges with that or is that fine for um, you? Listening to her specifically, I, I, I was okay. I think there's some stuff where just for, as I would listening to any book, I kind of, I'm like, wait a sec. I kind of stopped listening there, but I, I really enjoyed her narrating. I think she, there's a lot of passion in it and um, it's kind of cool to hear her stories from her, but yeah, so I didn't, I didn't find that. But. Yeah, I think in uh, some of the more traditional cultures or indigenous cultures, the storytelling is such a, an important mm-hmm. component of passing on wisdom. So that's where I kind of appreciated the audio book because uh, there she was telling her stories to us, right? So. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was, I was good with listening as well. Um, we actually were painting our house when I was listening or I was painting like paint with a paintbrush painting the house as I was listening and 
it was a perfect pairing for that activity because it's just repetitive motion and um, it gave me enough to do something, but keep me still engaged in listening. I think if I was doing anything else, I might have been distracted by what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and the siding of the house is cedar, which is very fantastic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I, I think an interesting premise that she made right towards the beginning of the book was uh, she's a professor. She teaches college students, and uh, she was talking about how she asked her students who are in environmental science classes, she asked them, uh, in, are there any ways in which humans benefit nature? And she asked, you know, a raise of hands or, or something. And no one said there was any benefit that humans could give back to nature. Um, that we're only damaging to nature and we're only uh, causing problems. And she said she kind of understands, you know, these are environmental science students who are trying to do what they can to repair some damage and that sort of thing. But, but she's juxtaposing that with a lot of the wisdom from the indigenous cultures saying, no, it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. And there's, you know, the land gives to us and we give to the land and there can be this nice back and forth. And I think that's sort of a, a central theme to the book that uh, she weaves through with the, she braids through with her stories and, uh, uh, and scientific facts. Yeah, I agree. And one quote she said, uh, in some native languages, the term plants translates to those who take care of us. So again, that interconnectedness, right? Yeah. And, uh, it was pretty inspiring. I enjoyed that, obviously, mm -hmm. as a um, therapist. And obviously, we know the research on the benefits of engaging in nature. And of course, there's a lot of reasons why that is, but they, they live it. Mm -hmm. There's this natural or neutral respect. Mm -hmm. And she gave so many great examples of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do think as well, this book is very um, timely. I don't know if it's in your community right now too, Ryan, but there is a lot of, I find young people with a lot of anxiety and dread about the future because of climate change. Mm. Eco-anxiety. Yeah, eco-anxiety um, quite a bit. And so I thought that this book was able to address how, because there's such a sense of helplessness to it, what we can start doing and how to start re-engaging with earth and life, right? And like mother earth and plants and reciprocity. So, yeah. I yes. That was good. Is that yeah, just- It's a very needed book on like waking up humans to say, you have to start looking at what you're doing. Is, is that something you guys have heard in, in your own practices from, from clients? Some of the some yes. anxiety about the climate? Yeah. Quite a bit for teenagers and persons in their early to mid twenties, um, a lot. Yeah, it's feeling powerless. What's the point anyway? What's the point in kind of screwed up and life or furthering career or not wanting children because what's the point? Um, not wanting to pass this earth to them. Look at the state of the world. A lot of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, feeling betrayed by the older generations, yeah. perhaps. And also, it, it's unfortunate, but very relevant that it's become a very political topic, right? 
just the idea of climate action and whether it is created or mm -hmm. the issues or concerns are created by humans, right? Yeah. So uh, often, a, uh, unfortunately, uh, yeah, there's a lot of dialogue out there. Yeah. Yes, I, I've certainly heard a lot about it as well. And it's interesting because I've, I've heard from clients who have always struggled with some degree of anxiety, you know, in the past few years. And, and oftentimes, you know, someone has sort of a, a more chronic generalized anxiety, it just kind of it will land on something different. You know, maybe it's it's health anxiety for a while and then it kind of resolves and then maybe it's relationship anxiety. And then now climate anxiety has become another landing place for some of those those fears and worries. And it's a perfect match for anxiety because there's so much unknown, so much what if, so much, uh, you know, kind of apocalyptic doom and, and disaster, which it, depending where you, who you listen to, there, there's yeah. a lot of people saying, absolutely, that's going to happen. Some people saying, well, probably, but we're not sure. So there's, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, fertile soil for anxiety when it comes to the climate and the earth. Yeah, and then, and then of course, um, if you, if you do encounter people that have differing views, then that can be very aggravating or frustrating or anxiety provoking too, because it's not something that everyone's rallying around. Perhaps I think it's, uh, isn't there a big international conference happening on climate change and just trying to get people on board for that too? So yeah, very timely book. Yeah, no, no I doubt. think mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. What were uh, some takeaways that you guys had? Did you have some take takeaways? Um, there's a couple, but one one idea I liked was <clears throat> just her, like we talked about the reciprocity piece, but her also idea of animacy, like the idea of aliveness, you know, um, a lot in our culture, Western culture, it's really just maybe humans and, and animals, but I really like that she gave it to um, like objects and other beings. So whether it's a mushroom to a pair of socks to, you know, like there's this, and apparently we don't really have an equivalent in our English language to how you'd refer to these other beings, but they're all, yeah, it's just, a, it's not an it, she pretty much said, but it's not, you don't refer to a tree as an it or, you know, like it's a, it's a bean, it's an other, it's an other thing. So anyways, I just, or not a thing, I just, yeah, but um, I really like thing that. about that, Joe. There's a. I'll try and find the news article, but there's, I think it was out yesterday or today. I saw it. Um, there's a professor at UBC that's advocating to get Stanley Park. I think it was Stanley Park uh, renamed as a person. Like, obviously the name is Stanley Park, but like so that it's not a park, but it's a person. Oh, okay. Interesting. And tied to that exact concept. Yeah. And part of reconciliation. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, I just think it's 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 neat to think of um yeah, other objects and beings as yeah. These I agree. that we interact with. I think it increases our respect for them and it's more of that treating them with kindness and and just uh yeah, I just thought it was a really cool concept. Yeah. So and yeah. seeing it as a whole, like uh, this couch is there's been a journey of it right how it was made in the materials and where those materials came from and all the hands that put that together or machinery and how were those machines built that made the couch and 
to the delivery people and whatever, like there's a, a life story mm-hmm. to it. Um, yeah. 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 I like the uh, interconnectedness as well, but also major sense of gratitude. Mm-hmm. I think maybe you're touching on that as well. Just the, um, I guess a big component. And um, there's one story, I, of course, it was a while ago that I listened to this book, but uh, in my mind, I'm like, well, he's going to leave nature alone. But she lot, talked a lot about reciprocity, right? So it's this give and take and finding that balance. So only taking half, for instance, right? And honorable harvest. Honorable harvest, yeah. But there was, a, was it a grove or is one area where, um, you know, um, the indigenous. This is like corn. Was it corn? Yeah. They were harvesting a portion of it, and that area was actually thriving versus other areas that were not touched. No, that was sweetgrass. What was it, sweetgrass? Oh, sorry, I thought it was corn. Yeah, there you go, sweetgrass. Pretty sure it was, yeah, sweetgrass, because it was somebody's right, uh, yeah. research project. Yeah. Right? Interesting. Yeah, so the interactions and, and the uh, partial harvesting of it is actually leading it to to a thriving right mm-hmm. whereas um the areas or meadows that were not touched weren't thriving as much as that yeah. so i thought that was interesting it's, it's the idea of harmony that there is a give and take there and um humans can thrive as well as um, nature can thrive as well yeah joanna do you have any funny stories about honorable harvest oh. yeah i i actually took out my book and wrote down her her little tidbits on how to have an honorable harvest uh, she's like, there's no actual guidelines, but if they are written guidelines, but if they were here, but so I, I've, I guess my only experience with honorable harvest or harvesting is I've forged for mushrooms before. I've been fortunate to do that. And, um, the first time is like treasure hunting, like going for chanterelles in our local area here. It's a sought after mushroom. And, and I would like, get all the chanterelles I could I like had a bag full and I was so excited and then listening to her honorable harvest I was like oh man she talks about don't take the first one leave always leave the first and the last never take more than you need you know just take like just under half or half and and there's this um yeah anyways I just thought okay I have some lessons to learn there but I just looked forward to next time I go out to yeah be a bit more mindful I'm definitely grateful I practice gratitude that way I had a friend remind me of that years ago as I was aimlessly walking and picking leaves and my friend was like did you ask before you did that and I was like I just like anyways because I just without thinking was just picking leaves as we we're going on a hike and I didn't even think about I'm taking this thing I'm taking a piece of mother nature a little bit so it helped me look at things differently years ago because of that but um, I'm definitely going to think differently when I go for my next mushroom hunt. I think it's, I'm going to practice some of those honorable guidelines, which were super cool. I just really liked that chapter a lot. So uh, I did yeah. It too. Yeah, it's a lot of, uh, it's almost, it speaks to the responsibility we have um, in nature. And, yeah. and I liked how they talked about the salmon hunt and they let four days worth of salmon go upstream first before they even killed their first salmon and you know because they want to make sure that they're um, allowing the future generations of salmon to be like there's just a lot of cool stories she had about that so Mm -hmm. I liked it yeah I um I really liked speaking of the gratitude piece the story where she went to the mall to get her notebook and pencil and trying to show gratitude 
for like the tree that would have made the pulp for the paper and for what like the pencil but yeah and her just her journey of feeling so far removed from the actual tree itself because of the setting and how it's been so processed and just consumerism and um yeah I I really actually really appreciated that little nugget as well and just reminding ourselves all of the things were it came from resources right and do you really need those things um yeah yeah that's great i actually was as i was listening to this i was seeing some parallels with i think one of my favorite books from our book club which was together from vivek murthy about the the connectedness and the need for that connectedness and she talks about that there are a couple of quotes um she's talking about she's talking about this interesting research being done with uh pecan trees where the pecan trees in a grove will they don't necessarily all they they gather different resources and different nutrients from the soil uh for one reason or another but when they're um when they're fruiting when they're actually giving fruit they they synchronize somehow and the resources are distributed around there's like this this odd collective process that's happening so that uh they all can thrive and they all can fruit at the same time um so one of the quotes here was the trees act not as individuals but somehow as a collective exactly how they do this we don't know yet but what we see is the power of unity what happens to one happens to all we can starve together or feast together. So I thought it was a really nice Powerful. sentiment there. Yes. But there's, that was there's... near the start of the book, right? She started off with a bang with that one. Yeah. Well, I just thought that's a really... And and again, we don't understand why that happens, but but there are many of those sorts of stories throughout the book of like, hey, these these plants are connected and there's something whether it's through evolution or whatever, some way that they are somehow able to, to help each other, <laughs> to help each other and to help um, not just within their species, but uh, you know, that's how the whole ecosystem works. And uh, it's a, it's a really fascinating look at the, all of that. Mm -hmm. For sure. Even uh, what was it? The three sisters. Yeah. Oh, the three sisters garden. I read that part and I was like, we're going to have a three sisters garden. Like that was all it took for me. Um, but even that, the interplay, right? And the systems of planting the corn seeds first and letting them grow a couple inches and then planting the beans. And then the beans will use the corn as their trellis um, and then planting the squash. But because the squash leaves are big, then it prevents like for uh, weeds and things from growing and then each of their root systems grow at different depths. So they're not having to compete for nutrients in the soil and yeah. And yeah. But when grown great. that way, it thrives, right? And they thrive. Instead of separating them out and then having rows of them, whatever it might be, and clusters of them. So yeah. it's kind of uh, intriguing, right? But it kind of speaks to, again, a, a huge premise of the book and there's a lot of wisdom Huge amounts of wisdom. First Nations or Indigenous cultures that maybe are not necessarily uh, known or to be or too widespread, you know? Yeah. And science now is just catching up to, to um, coming to the same conclusions that the wisdom has, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. There is, 
these elders that let us know these lessons and scientists, not always, I don't want to no hate on scientists. I think that they're great. But now they're coming to a point where they've done so much research. They're like, oh, look at that. We came to the same conclusion of what we've always been told. Yeah. Yeah, they're understanding maybe the how. Or why. Or why. Exactly. Yeah. Or yeah. confirming that that is a truth. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this to you guys, but I went to a, it was kind of an art exhibit here um, not long ago uh, where they were, it was all really about the fact that the, the Native Americans in this area in California were in a habit of doing um, burns. They were burning, they would burn the, uh, the forest, um, mm -hmm. a controlled burn. And they, they had been doing that for centuries uh, until the other, the other folks came in. We other folks came in and started saying, no, 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 we don't like forest fires. You're burning down houses. Don't, don't do these burns anymore. And as a result, the undergrowth has grown wildly. And, uh, you know, whenever a fire starts, we try to put it out. And therefore, the wildfires are stronger than ever, at least in this area. And I know you guys are just getting wildfires in the last several years because the more global warming issues there. But uh, she talks about, about burns in, in this book as well. And about kind of the beauty of it and about how, you know, a mountain burning, um, the ash and the, you know, very poetically describing the the gray of the ash and how it kind of is a blanket over everything. And then that is nutrients for the next, the next crop, the next, uh, the next trees and everything to grow. So even that, that sort of wisdom that we actually completely lost, uh, you know, through regulations said, no, we're not going to do burn anymore because fire is bad. Which is actually really bad for the the whole ecosystem and the and the forest system and results in more forest fires. Yeah, it, same thing happened up in British Columbia as well. Yeah, natural burning happening for a really long time. Then uh, one day they said enough of that, and then uh, so they say that's likely a factor as to why it's so bad or so awful now. Mm. Kind of like, yeah. But uh, yeah, intriguing stuff. But lots of little tidbits in there. So many. So many. Absolutely. Yeah. Any other takeaways or nuggets of uh, information that you can think of? I really enjoyed the essay, just like the visualization of it, of uh, when she was trying to clean her pond. Oh, yeah. I just, yeah, I enjoyed listening to that chapter. Um, yeah, I don't know if I had a super strong takeaway other than, you know, ones that we already shared because those were really reinforced like gratitude, reciprocity, um, mm -hmm. taking a look at your own impact and what are you doing. But like, yeah, just uh, the way that she described what she was experiencing and what she found and when she really looked, what she was seeing. And I really, and her reflection of like, why am I, doing this mm -hmm. as well like what is the purpose of doing this and how how much do I have a right as a mother to do that she was cleaning the pond so her daughters had somewhere to go swimming um and her right as a mother to do it for her children meanwhile she's harming other mothers children because there would be like families of different bacteria or 
um, tadpoles, or yeah, frogs ta tadpoles or, yeah, yeah. or frogs or different, whatever, like whatever that translucenty net thing, yeah, yeah. um, you know, and there, there's all this life that she's pulling out and she's like, what right do I have to interrupt their life so that we have somewhere to go swimming? Uh, and also that she's having to by like in order to accomplish what she wants in that area there needs to be some almost like sacrifice a little bit she was really at odds yes yeah yeah but that that but, one yeah. stood out to me but it's neat that she included that because it yeah. kind of talked about those mixed feelings and thoughts and contradictions and how she was trying to sift through it right huh. um which is a very valid point i think people go through that all the time you want to make a meaningful impact in this in terms of nature but um often it's at a cost right yeah i think i think one of my big takeaways sadly was how disconnected from nature i feel a lot of times mm -hmm. um i mean it's sure it's right outside but i'm i'm she's describing a lot of things that are agricultural or natural you know uh, un, untouched forests, that sort of thing. And uh, even though I can see a lot of nature from where I am, I, it, I'm i in the city and uh, it's suburban and it's it's not, it's, it's manufactured nature, um, you know, with a lawn and planted plants and that sort of thing. And just made me kind of sad about that. Yeah, uh, so no, uh, no fresh strawberries kicking around? No fresh strawberries. Wild strawberries. Right. Wild strawberries, sir. Wild strawberries, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but it's interesting as well because I don't know if do you guys have a problem with coyotes or have a, oh yes yeah coyotes have been a much bigger issue here in the last few years and there's actually a, a story in the news down here recently about a coyote who was in the middle of the day. Uh, kind of pulled down a two-year-old child in the middle of the road basically so yeah. they're they're brazen they're everywhere and uh and people are talking about well we just need to shoot them or you know kill them or or just dump a bunch of food in the mountains and they'll go back up in the mountains but it's a, it's a more complex issue than that and i just think as we're even even as a city dweller there are these environmental, deeper environmental issues that we need to be considering um, regarding nature and regarding what what impact we're having on the environment and on the animals. For sure. It's funny, um, we were in Hawaii recently and uh, first off, it's a bunch of roosters and chickens running around, which is kind of interesting, but <clears throat> yeah. yeah, people, you know, new newcomers to the island who um, sometimes bring certain uh, creatures with them on the through their travels so i think that for the longest time they had major mice and rat issues and then they now they have a whole bunch of cats on there yeah. feral cats who are trying to take care of that and then they introduced the, a mongoose i think yes and then they had a mongoose problem. so a mongoose to take care of was it the mice maybe maybe but now the mongoose have taken over and killing all these exotic birds so you know they 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 think that they can um, just introduce a species and balance everything out but of course it creates other issues right sure but yeah we're definitely not experts in this no 
but um no yeah, there's reasons why this is happening and just killing off a species is, is not going to yeah. solve it and we'll probably create a ripple effect that we don't even <laughs> understand or comprehend yeah. i'm sure there's people out there have a greater understanding of it but if there's one since we're the mental health boot camp podcast we're talking about a lot of important environmental issues and 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 psychological issues but if if we you were to choose a a mental health takeaway from this what, what would you take do you think um oh you can say something you can go well yeah of course the we've talked about it lots over the course of the podcast but just making the effort to be in nature um called like what, forest bathing mm-hmm. doesn't mean bathing in the forest very different as we've clarified before but just spending time immersed in nature is, is very beneficial there's a huge reason why we have a strong connection to nature over the span of humanity and i think we've lost sight of that we got distracted by other things but it's super beneficial physically and mentally second thing is she had a great gratitude uh um oh, prayer yeah. that she did and i actually sent it to uh some some friends and it uh it was kind of neat so they actually it's the thanksgiving gratitude Thanksgiving, or something. yeah yeah that whole chapter it was phenomenal so it was a way to you know they got kids involved and read it out at schools and stuff like that but just kind of capturing all those aspects and elements of nature that we're grateful for and i thought it was really well done mm-hmm. um yeah i was gonna say something similar but with fewer words to connect better with nature right mm-hmm. um because i think that also provides us not just the natural regulation of the nervous system for us. But I think sometimes we get lost in things that um, they seem like they matter, but they don't really matter. And if we can simplify our lives down a bit and simplify what's going on, that might be helpful. Not in all circumstances, obviously, but uh, I, I think this is something that we're naturally grounded or rooted by. And oh, good one. Oh, I didn't even realize it did that. That was rooted. Uh, Yeah, yeah. But I think it's something that we have to get back to. That's good. Um, I agree with what has been said. I think you have to think of something that's not nature related, Joe. Um, I I was actually. Oh. Um, (laughs) Well, yeah. I, I think I. There's the reciprocity piece that was talked about, but also gifts. And I just think it's very kind of other people focused in, in the connection. So even when they talked about, she goes to a farmer's market and, and um, you know, building those relationships and connecting with people. And there'd almost be this being given these things free of charge. And then she felt this need, well, you know, I'm going to go give something back. Like there was this, mm. it's just kind of like a mutual respect and connection and, um, I don't know. So I guess being other focused, like going outside yourself and connecting with people, connecting with nature or just, I don't know, fostering different relationships. Cool. So good. little things slowing down a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Great. One. Yeah. I think, I think a takeaway for me is maybe not so explicit in the book, but it, it, just this idea of, of, of consequences, like things, over time, over over years, generations, millennia, the um, the impact that something can make in 
that trickles down into the lives and the um and the environment you know if we do something today that might seem like a good idea right now or it might serve our needs right now uh that could have dire consequences in the future and just i guess just that in some ways that's a little uh, anxiety provoking like uh oh i don't want to make a misstep but it can also be a benefit too you know if we do something good for for another person or for nature at this point it could have great benefits uh going forward in the future mm-hmm. which which i uh, which is great a great part of the storytelling i think that uh that she's that's handed down this oral tradition of storytelling mm-hmm. where it's we're going to keep telling the same stories and they are still meaningful today as they were hundreds thousands of years ago and uh yeah i think it's really beneficial i yeah. Yeah, all of that, so important. So important. And made me think of something too. She just talked about her um, First Nations uh, language mm-hmm. and how a lot of the stories, there's so many words that English um, it doesn't adequately yeah. explain, we're, right? We're so limited. So we're limited when it comes to so many aspects of nature and the, and the connection to nature and whatnot. But a lot of these old languages are are not being taught anymore, or um, the kids are not learning it. So she's talking about how it's just the importance of uh, continuing on those those stories and those traditions, and ultimately language, right? Mm-hmm. How powerful that could be. I liked an example I just thought about um, that I think might speak to the point I was making. Is she talked about camping as a kid I believe and I think it was always taught by her parent to leave leave things better than how you found them so they'd always leave a stack of firewood for the next person and make sure it was covered to stay dry and then they always go around and pick up every little thing like even a match or anything to leave it spick and span so just that idea that a leaving nature better than you found or leaving things better than you found it. Um, and as well as that kind of leaving something for the next person. So yeah. it's kind of just a neat, something so simple, but then someone arrives and they're going to see this, they're going to be like, that was so cool. And then they're going to pass it on. It's like these ripples of kind of yeah. doing good. I don't know. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, that was a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to the rating. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll put put your your fingers down and on three we'll raise our fingers. What if you're a point five? Uh half a finger. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. One, two, three, go. Oh, look at that. <laughs> I'm got- I'm an eight point five. You're at 8.5. Chris is also at 8.5. No, it was a (laughs) 7.8. Are you a 9, Brooke? I'm an 8. You're an 8. I'm also an 8. We all held up our fingers in all different ways. I don't know. It's very confusing. Yes, I know. We all just stared at each other in silence there. We were like, what is happening? Computing. What? Who's a... Yeah. Okay, so I was 8.5, Ryan 8, Brooke 8, Chris 7.8. Yeah. Even though I'm pretty sure you're holding up eight fingers there. No, it was a couple halves. Okay. (laughs) 
pretty strong overall, we'd say. I think so. Is there anything that you'd want to improve to that would make it a 10? Um, <laughs> to think. Um, um, I have to admit, I think uh, Ryan may, maybe alluded to this before we started, but um, I, for me, it, the stories were super engaging at first, and wow. I don't know what it is, maybe there's some other factors, but um, I had a hard time paying attention to the maybe the second or the last third of the book, maybe. Yeah. Just um, it wasn't as as engaging to me, or the stories weren't as um, intriguing. Perhaps I don't know. Yeah, maybe yeah. Just my own yeah. observation. No, yeah, I, I recognize that because I I know I listened to the entire thing, and a couple things you guys said I don't remember listening to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I I zoned out a couple times. I think yeah, I zoned out towards the end though. The first part I was like, oh man, like yeah, more. This is great. Like I, I was hanging yeah. on hanging on every word. It's also, uh, again, it is a long book and uh, each chapter is its own standalone. So this could be something where it's more a book you have and you read one section at a time and, or one a day, and then you yeah. think about it and let it process because it's not a, a linear story. It's interesting that you say that though, because I don't know if I'd say, I think there's value in, in all her things, all her chapters at the beginning, and even all her as a mother, and some of the stories there, I think it really, I don't know if I'd get the same effect of what she's oh. teaching, if I just were to do a chapter here, a chapter there, like, each chapter has its own value, and its own points, and wisdom, but I also feel like, to get an idea of her, and just all the different she touches on, goes back to different things, yeah, so I guess I'd, I'd feel that it's important to read it as a whole, but we don't have too many differing perspectives on this podcast. This is big. <laughs> she doesn't. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Controversy. Woo! Dun, dun, dun. But it's, <laughs> I yeah I I don't know how to answer your question, Ryan, in terms of what yeah. I would do differently. Yeah. I definitely did like her her stuff of her own. I think it's just what I was, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have anything that I would improve. So I don't know if that's a 10, but I just feel like giving a 10 is such a big deal. I like, I, I feel like I need to be like shouting to the, you know, skies about this, but Please. I just, I, uh, I really enjoyed it. It was really inspiring. I think it really, nature is a very important thing to me. And I think it's just so cool. Like I just want to learn about medicinal plants and I want to just go out and just learn more about or just do better um myself as a human interacting with nature um yeah i liked her earlier stuff um all those stories i definitely enjoyed like chris more at the beginning and then she when she goes away from when her kids have grown up and there's less stories about the kids and her motherhood i was like i liked those stories better but it was all very interesting so i liked it yeah, and I'm with you guys. I don't know what I would, we're with Joe on this one. Like, I don't know what I would change necessarily. So it's more like a feeling rating. Yeah, maybe. I agree. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it's like a personal preference. Like, I think I got a lot out of it. I enjoyed the writing. I enjoyed listening. I would, I'll probably purchase the book itself and go back to it and reread it or visit it. It feels more like visiting the book than reading the book. 
um, yeah. in some ways. And yeah, like I, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I'm guessing it must be more like because I like exciting things. And this was like a calm storytelling, like intense. I think I gave a one of the books like a nine, but it's like a, it was a trauma memoir. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Chaos, energy, um, gripping, yeah. uh, suspenseful. But I think that's just a preference of style of book. But I thought this was so well-written. It's interesting what you're saying, Joe, because I, I kind of feel like this could have, this could have been two books. This could have been like a a Malcolm Gladwell like here's all the cool science and all these cool things and here's what the three sisters look like and all this kind of stuff that'd be like mind blowing. And then you could have another book that's like this really cool storytelling in this eloquent prose. But I do think the combination of the two works for the most part as well. So it's it's there's a lot here. It's it's a big <laughs> a lot of material here. Well, and it, I think it speaks to exactly her combination of indigenous wisdom and scientific knowledge. Yeah, I yeah. agree. You know, like she kind of, yeah. she gives both. Yeah. So yeah. kind of like, yeah. 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 So after, after reading the book, we planted three trees in the front yard. No joke. There's now three trees planted in the front yard. And uh, yeah, it motivated me. That, right on. Yeah. That's great. Very cool. We don't have a next book. No, we'll have to share with listeners yep. next time. That's right. We'll be. That's right. That's Do we right. have time for another book? Because we're yep. we're going to slow things down after a hundred episodes, yep. right? We do. Okay, good. We do. We do. It's going to be the best book ever. It will be the best. It will be a ten across the board. The ugly Christmas sweater rebelling. No, no, it's got to be the men's journal. <laughs> I don't think either of those are going to be tens, but we'll get back to you on that. Yeah. Cool. All right. Cool. Cool book club. Neat. Cool book. Reading Sweetgrass. Okay. Then I guess that's it for us, you guys. Like and subscribe. Apple, Google, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube. And go and enjoy nature. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. 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 Bye.